listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. I'm your co-host, Kenny Van Doren. You can also find my work on AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at The Vandalorian. All right, before we get to the show, I want to let you know this episode is brought to you by Big City Wings, Houston's wing joint. Uh, 14 locations across the city, wall-to-wall TVs, best wings in the city, or in the need of some wings, want to go out to eat, be sure to check them out. Today, we're joined by Space Cowboys outfielder and 2021 fifth-round pick, Quincy Hamilton. How you doing, Quincy? Good. How you doing? Doing well. So first first of all, I just want to ask you, you know, we just found out that you had the uh, sports hernia surgery. So how's the how's the recovery process going for you on that? Uh, So, yeah, right now I'm about almost two weeks out of surgery. So, um. The first week was kind of tough. I was really sore and stiff. Um, luckily, I got some guys down here that you know, you know, helping me out. So shout out to them. Um, but second week now, it's not that ba- it's not as bad. I can walk around pretty well. Um, you know, do some light core activation kind of thing, but nothing really past that. So, um, but there's only like a six to eight week recovery, so it shouldn't be like crazy. So do they have you down in, in Florida doing rehab? Yeah. Okay. And so how long do you kind of plan to be down there in Florida? I know that the FCL season's over, so you probably won't get into any rehab games the next couple months. Is it something just until maybe the end of September, early October, and then you kind of go on your way for just your own off-season work? Yeah, so that's pretty much what they were telling me. They're like, um, at first they were like, yeah, it could be two or three months. Um, but then um, – you know, talked to the specialist, Dr. Myers, and um, yeah, he was like, eh, it's more like six to eight weeks. So now we're looking at more end of September, maybe early October kind of thing. So really it's just like get healthy, get uh, moving, swinging, running, full speed, full intent, and then I'll be good for like a, you know, normal off season after that. Was this like an injury that kind of bothered you for a little while? I mean, you still performed at a pretty high level. I mean, how'd you kind of work through that? Um, so it happened in spring training. I kind of like uh, strained it a little bit, and we all kind of thought it was a strain. So then I was out for like three weeks of spring training and then kind of thought it was good because um, I was doing stuff pretty much full speed with no uh, pain or anything. And then I remember coming back the last week of spring training trying to play in like the first full speed game um kind of like re-aggravated again so then um I was kind of scared because I was like dang maybe I have to stay here instead of going you know to the season or you know to my affiliate um but we got worked out I was just gonna you know sit out maybe a week or so because we had some downtime before we played and then we had a scrimmage against um Kingsville so then didn't play for that. And then I think I saw maybe the first like game or two. And then I was kind of just like, you know what? Like, I don't really think it's going to get crazy, like better. But at the same time, like, I think I can kind of play through it. So it was really just, um, you know, managing it, you know, with the trainers and, uh, you know, the strength coaches kind of thing and managing the workload. And obviously, you know, I want to perform for the games too. So that was the main focus. Um, but there's still some things I had to do, um, you know, preparation-wise for the game just to kind of make me feel good even though I never really felt like you know 100 percent for sure so you know despite the injury you still had an OPS over 800 in double a and you know uh you ended up getting that promotion to Sugarland back in June uh, what was that conversation like with Joe Thon and how cool was it to be promoted you know at the same time as your teammate uh, Shea Wickham oh it was cool it was cool um you know the entire like locker room was you know real happy for us um so that was cool to see um but it was really just like, you know, keep doing your thing. You know, there's a reason you're getting promoted. Um, don't change anything. Don't think about it too much. Um, and really just, you know, keep being yourself. And, um, 
that's really it. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just like, you know, congrats on getting promoted. Um, but at the same time, you know, you keep your head down, stay, um, stay diligent and just, you know, try to be a good teammate. And then obviously just keep doing what you're doing on the field, just try to play well. So looking back at the the injury and stuff and looking at just some numbers, you know, you stole 27 bases last year. This year you were, you were only at six. Is that one area that it kind of effect, uh, affected you a lot was on the, the speed on the base pass? Yeah, so um, it was actually kind of funny because <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even realize this until uh, my dad told me because I called him like uh, the day before the surgery or something. And he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, uh, I've been watching you play for a long time, obviously, and like, I could definitely tell something was like up with you this year. And he was like, yeah, you um, last year it, you said or last year you stole certain amount of bases, whatever. And now I think uh, you only had 11 attempts this year. And I was like, yeah, like I didn't realize that either, but it definitely got to a point where I think I tried to steal like in double A a couple of times and I was thrown out. So I was like, dang, that's crazy. Like I wasn't getting thrown out last year, you know, with mm -hmm. these same jumps. So then it was kind of weird, like, uh, mentally, because I kind of thought, like, my body was just, like, breaking down or something or, like, I don't know, like, getting old or something because, like, my back, like, my low back would kind of hurt. You know, I have to have, like, uh, I have to do a lot of, like, preparation for the games and, get you know, get ready, get activated. And then even then, on top of all that stuff, like, I still wasn't hitting my top speeds or anything. And I would have, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it was – pain when sprinting but just like a lot of discomfort so mm -hmm. never really got up to my my max speed and you know when you don't touch your max speed you know i think it's like twice a week or some of that you kind of like lose the ability to you know get it get there so um yeah definitely on the bases was probably the biggest thing because throwing i could do pretty well maybe like max effort throws or certain angles would hurt mm -hmm. and then swinging was okay but um the two biggest things was, yeah definitely like the acceleration phase of the, of the, you know, steel and then getting to top speed. And then it would probably hurt the most when I would like take a pitch. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was definitely those two things that, you know, hurt the most. Even with those differences of, you know, the base paths, you saw an uptick in just your offensive output. Uh, Jimmy mentioned the OPS, the batting average went up. What kind of contributed just a more smooth transition at the plate in your second time through double A? Um, okay, so I think it was a mix of three things. Okay, so the first one was swinging a lot of bat. Last year, I was swinging uh, 32 ounce, and um, yeah, that was just too heavy. Like, it was just not sustainable for a season. Like, early in the season, I could. Lower levels, I could. You know, once I got to, you know, the higher levels, I was like, dang, this actually, like, feels like I'm swinging a log. So then came back this season, was swinging, uh, I think, a 31 or 30 and a half or something ounce. And so that definitely helped because I could wait back longer. And I'm kind of like a pretty, like, handsy hitter. So, like, you know, feeling the barrel, like, in my hands and knowing where my barrel was at was a big thing for me. Um, and then... I would say, too, my hitting coach in AA, Bobby Bell, he really helped me kind of just be confident and stay on the fastball because I, I think I hit better or hit the best when I'm, you know, looking for fastball. I'm not really worried about anything else. So he's just like when I'm on time for the fastball, then I'm good. So, you know, he would let me know if I'm a little bit late or whatever. And then um, yeah, then the third thing I already said, it, but, yeah, just confidence knowing I can do it because there was definitely times last year, especially when the season ended, you know, because I never really had these thoughts before, but, you know, those thoughts kind of start creeping ahead, like, dang, like, that was really tough, you know, like, am I good enough for this, good enough for that, like, is it going to be that tough when I go back next year, and and I kind of, um, you know, just doing some thinking and stuff in the offseason, I was just like, might as well have the, you know, as much confidence as I can, because that's only going to help, you know, these negative thoughts aren't going to help me at all, so, the yeah, confidence for sure. So having an extra spring training and another off season that you had you know, previously to uh, to this year, when you look back at last season and kind of compare it to this year, like how have you seen your, yourself change as a player, and what have you kind of taken away from uh, from you know 2022 to to this year? Um, biggest thing for me probably just uh, relaxing. Um, I think a lot of times last year I would like um, 
kind of go into like panic mode or like you know previously said like or previously said like negative thinking and um kind of learn from that and be like you know what like the faster i can just accept failure the better i'll be because it's only gonna get harder and it's a hard game and um honestly like when i was in corpus and uh chaz and came to play with us and Altive came to play with us you know um just watching them go about their business and then them going out and still failing just as much as we were um kind of just like gave me more perspective like you know what like this game is hard for everybody um you know and at the same time we're not as far off from like where we really want to be so it was really just like uh relaxing having more confidence letting the game come to me instead of always kind of like trying to be in attack mode and then um you know the results or whatever but at the same time like you can only really control like your confidence and then um just yeah your mindset so like definitely being relaxed being confident um yeah and just not trying to do too much when we talk about the Pacific Coast League, we talk about AAA, elevation is always a big subject. You know, it can be talked about about pitchers, hitters on their stats. This could be kind of a stupid question. I've just always kind of wondered defensively, though, you're an outfielder. Do you did you kind of play defense a little bit different with the elevation? Are you playing like a little bit more back? You know, trying to get used to these balls, probably. I mean, getting over the fence a lot quicker. Yeah, so uh, my first week was in Albuquerque. I think that's the second highest elevation we play in. And, um, yeah, the ball flies out there. So, like, there and I think, like, Salt Lake, the ball flies. So um, you play really deep, but you can really tell, like, um, during batting practice, like, when you first get there, how the ball is flying. And, yeah, so the parts that flies, you kind of play deeper. But I, I honestly think it's kind of easier to play in the parks with high elevation because the balls that are hit over your head are most likely going to be a home run or off the wall. And then the balls that are hit usually that are, like, dropping in front of you, they'll hang up a little bit and you have time to run under them. Mm. So I kind of I think it's a little bit easier to play, uh, you know, with the high elevations. And then playing that Sri Lanka, for example, the total opposite. Um, you're not really playing deep but you're not really playing necessarily like shallow. And then I just feel like you have to have a little bit better angles there too because everyone's kind of like trying to cut the ball through the wind and those are the ones that drop, the ones that, you know, here sky high or just kind of just hang up. But um, I definitely feel like the other ones, high elevation, you play a little bit deeper, but the ball's not going to carry to you anyway. So really it's just like um, we're kind of just waiting out there for it to come to you. It's not really to go get anything really. So going back to college, did you have intentions of, of coming out after the, the 2020 season? Uh, you started out, you know, pretty well that, that year, and then obviously COVID uh, canceled the season. But do you have intentions of coming out following that year? Yeah, so um, that was a big year for me because, um, let me see, so yeah, I registered my first year, and then my second and third year, um, I was uh, just like a backup. I would, you know, sometimes come in and pinch hit or get like some midweek starts. So then that last year was, you know, my first year as a starter. And I was like, you know, let's do it. Like, this is my my draft, whatever. Like, got some things to prove. You know, I had the confidence and stuff. You know, I had the abilities. So I started off that year pretty good. And then um, I actually had, like, a shoulder impingement. Like, I had, like, a scat problem. So uh, so pretty much like, my scap was, like, really weak. And it was causing, like, my shoulder to, like, pinch, like, right here. So, like, I couldn't really, like, raise my arm above my head. So, um <laughs> I actually played, I think it was like nine games out of our 13 or out of our 12. And then, um, yeah, so I actually was out for – so the season ended. And honestly, like, that, it kind of seems like not a good thing, but it was actually was a good thing for me because I was out for – I was probably out for like two or three months with this injury, like just trying to like rehab it, get back in shape. And um, – if I yeah, if I was injured um that season, we you know had a season, I probably would have been in the same position anyways. Mm -hmm. But um if I were yeah, probably maybe even looked worse. But not anyways, yeah, I definitely was planning to come out that year and I got some offers to sign as a free agent. Um but I still had like no college, you know, resume really, besides like my pinch hit or my spot start. So like I need like so it was kind of like I need a full season, like, mm -hmm. as a starter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care if it's my fifth year, like, you know, it's whatever. But at the 
same time, like, they weren't playing, like, any minor games that year anyway. So I was, like, Right. I'm not really trying to sign or whatever um, as a free agent. Uh, so I was, like, I definitely just need to come back next year and really just have a season where I can look back and be proud of. Because I was already at the school for a while putting in a bunch of work. I didn't really want to leave there with, you know, no
I guess just like, you know, being away from home. Uh, but I, yeah, I wouldn't say anything like too crazy. It was, it was, it was pretty normal. I got one more quick question. You just be really quick on this one. Um, when you moved to Ohio, I mean, you kind of furthered your baseball career as well. I mean, you walked on at Wright State as a pitcher. I mean, how how crazy is that? Now you're an outfielder playing professional baseball. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because um, so here's how the story goes. So my so the head coach at Indiana University, uh, his name is Jeff Mercer. He was my coach at Wright State. My first. Was it three years? I think it was my first three years, yeah. So um, he – so I think – yeah, I think he saw me my senior year, like, in the in the winter maybe. And um, I think I was just, like, hitting, doing some outfield drills and stuff. And he was pretty much like, yo, like, I think, you know, you need some, like, junior college experience before, you know, you join the team. Like, I think you're good, but, like, I don't really think you're ready yet. And I was still, like, pretty, like, small. Like, I was very, like, kind of, like, late bloomer kind of thing. Like, I was really small. So I think that kind of played a part, too. Like, I was I was not very physical. Like, just to give you, like, some context, like, I hit – I literally hit zero home runs in high school, like, uh, for school ball. I think I might have hit, like, two or three maybe for, like, summer ball. But like, even that, like, you would think, like, okay – like zero home runs, bro. Like that's not good. But anyways, um, so I, I was good like defensively. And I was fast, and I had. But my best thing was probably my arm in high school. My bat was just not there yet. I really had this like really like steep swing because I was always like a hit on the ground and run kind of guy. Because I was always small, but I was fast, and I was left handed. So then, um, I kind of still had that kind of swing when he saw me, and then. Um, but my senior year, May of my senior year, the pitching coach, he's so he's a pitching coach at it's he was at South Carolina. I think he's at some big SEC school. But his name was his name is Justin Parker. Anyways, he saw me he saw me pitch like two innings against like some team that like wasn't that good. <laughs> and I think I had like five five strikeouts in two innings or something. Like, I was just fastball, curveball, just regular left-handed relief pitcher, like, pretty, like, good spin fastball, and then, like, a just a sharp breaking ball. So, um, he talked to my high school coach after the game, and they were pretty much like, yeah, like, we don't really think he's ready as a hitter or as, you know, but like, he does have some good outfield instincts, and, like, he can and he can pitch the ball. So, like, we're going to offer him a walk-on spot for, uh, you know, as a two-way player, but, like, mostly as a pitcher. We'll kind of see what he does development-wise, like, into a hitter, but like he was pretty much like, yeah, I think I'm pretty confident he can pitch like at right state. So then, um, a walk on spot for me, I was like, hey, this is the best option because my parents had the GI Bill. So like, I was like, you know what, like this is my plan. Like I'm gonna go to right state. I'm gonna get better. Uh, in my eyes, I was like, I'm gonna be a position player. Like at the end of the day, like I'm like, not sure what's gonna happen. Maybe I'll do both. But I was like. I know I want to play outfield and be like a starting like division one outfielder, like hit every day, all that. That was my goal. That's like what I envisioned. But I was like, if I can pitch too, then, you know, that's like more icing on the cake, whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah, I go there and <laughs> I, uh, so I redshirt. So they don't tell me I redshirt until the fall is over, but um, I kind of already knew because we had some really good outfielders that already played before me and they were all like, bigger, faster, stronger, better, everything. So I was like, I got some big catching up to do. But at the same time, I didn't, like, necessarily lose confidence in myself. I was just like, it's going to take time, but, like, I can see myself getting there with, like, hard work, whatever. So my first fall, it didn't go very well, um, pitching-wise at least. My arm was always hurting. I was I was always sore. <laughs> uh, my velo was down. So I would say, like, in high school, I was, like, 87, 88, but I had, like, good spin, uh, so that's like that's not bad for like you know a relief pitcher, lefty, but um, but when I went there, my arm was always hurting. It was hard to play. It was hard to pitch and play outfield. I remember um, so we had these things called individuals. So it's pretty much like you uh, you know, if you play outfield, whatever, like uh, you have defense one day, the next day you have hitting, the defense and hitting. So I had defense, 
Then I had to pitch, and then I had to do base running. The next day, I had hitting, then I had throwing program, then I had base running. So then I remember one time I tried to skip out on uh, base running one day because uh, in my head, I was like, you know, this is just conditioning, whatever. But uh, I think I was like putting my loop in the uh, in the basket, and I was walking out, and then uh, Coach Mercer goes, hey, like you're not going to do base running? Like you're not going to do, you know, position player conditioning? And I was like, oh, like I already did, you know, the pitcher stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I already ran with them. Like I was just going to leave, whatever. He's like, oh, so you don't want to be like a good outfielder or you don't want to, you don't want to steal bases or anything. And then, you know, that's like the mind game he would play. And I was like, dang, I mean, I guess I was like, I guess you're right. <laughs> like I couldn't really do anything. So then I you know I got my clothes back on and I was kind of just like, all right. Like he, I know he kind of has confidence in me as a position, as a position player, whatever I want to be. But he was going to hold me accountable. So, like, after that, I was like, you know what? Like, if he can hold me accountable, I can hold myself accountable. So, um, but, yeah, my first fall didn't go very well. And then um, came back the next year. Um, my arm was still kind of bugging me. So then at some point, we're kind of just like, you're going to be a position player because my swing was getting better. So, um, yeah, so that's how it works. Red-shirted, and then my swing was getting pretty good. So then I kind of would pinch hit a lot my freshman year, like start midweek games. Kind of the same thing my redshirt sophomore year, even though I probably like could have started, but like we still had like some guys in the outfield. So it was really just like a bad situation. And then, um, yeah, I kept getting better, kept getting better. And then I would say the biggest thing for my development is when I went to uh, the Coastal Plains League. And yeah, after my redshirt sophomore year. And that was the first time I was, like, going to play, like, every single day. Because I didn't play summer ball before. I, actually, no, I did. I did play summer ball before that. And I did terrible. Like, I did terrible. And my confidence was, like, way down. So, anyways, came back. Um, then, you know, I really did very well in summer ball the year after that. And after that, coming back into the school year, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to be the starter this year. Like, I have nothing to really worry about. Like, I know what I can do. I'm confident. So that was so that was the biggest thing for me. Then did get that fall, whatever. Um, then obviously I told you like I hurt my arm, whatever. The season got cut short. And then came back for that year, and then it was kind of just a lot going on. But I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna play, see what happens. Um, so honestly, um, I didn't really think I was gonna get drafted like as high as I did. I because I was kind of thinking like third day kind of thing, like ten to twentieth round kind of thing. Um, because I was older, I was an older player. It was my fifth year, even though I didn't really play, so it was kind of like a weird situation. But um, yeah. So yeah, the Astros called me in the fifth round, whatever, and I was like, you know, this sounds good. Sounds like, um, sounds like something I want. So looking back on it, it kind of does seem kind of crazy how it all works. Um, but at the same time, I still like had a vision for myself and. It kind of like was, it was kind of like once I saw someone from the next level and I would kind of like compare myself to them and be like, do I actually see myself doing that or see myself at that level? And then, yeah, every time it was yes. So like when I was in high school, even though like I was real small, scrawny, whatever, I was looking at the D1 guys like, you know what, like I can there, I can get there because the right state would actually hit in a place that like my uh, high school like summer ball team would hit at. So I would just, you know, be be in there and just be watching them hit and be like, dang, like these guys are definitely big and strong, fast, whatever. But I was like, I saw the, you know, I saw the confidence. I was just, just going to take time. So that's kind of like how it's always kind of been like in my career, even when I was really little. Um, so it's really just like having like that confidence, um, I guess. And then, but it really is kind of crazy like, looking back on it, like how it all happened. Sure. But at the same time, I definitely had a vision for myself too. All right, guys. That's a that's going to do it for the first segment. The next segment, we'll uh, kind of go to some some off the field questions for Quincy. Here, we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, make sure you do us a, a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars. So, uh, Quincy, we kind of want to transition from some of the baseball questions and into some questions that we like to ask prospects and more fun questions. But first, I want to start with kind of a story. So we had Joey Loperfito on uh, earlier this season. And uh, I noticed that they had updated his, his height and weight to like six foot three, 220 pounds. And I was, I was asking him like, was that a, le a legitimate height and weight? And he, he said he thought he was always like six, four and yeah, he had put on some muscle and stuff. So, but he told us 
about some uh, when the exact heights and everyone was getting measured, I guess, back in spring training that uh, there was kind of a funny, funny story about the when you got measured and you were arguing about your height or something when they said that you were a certain height. Uh, can you kind of tell us what happened with that? Uh, let me see. I think. OK, so I think I was listed at like 510, like 190, maybe. But I haven't been 190 since like high school. So I'm not sure where they got that from. <laughs> and then I'm not 5'10", I'm like 5'9". So I'm like, so I'm, I'm usually around 220. Sometimes I go up to like 225, but I usually play around like 218 to 220. So, um, yeah, I think uh, we, <laughs> yeah, I think we, uh, in Corpus, um, our, our media guy was coming around, like, getting the heights and weights and stuff. And then, yeah, I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm, like, 5'9", like, 220. Like, I'm not sure what they got on there. And then, um, yeah, he was kind of just like, all right, I'm kind of just going to leave it. So, I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. But, um, yeah, I think for me, it was just, like, outside looking in, just, like, if, uh, if, if they put that down, like, they're going to think I'm, like, way too beefy. So... <laughs> Uh, we we learned that you know growing up you were a Red Sox fan. Uh, right now the Astros are actually playing the Red Sox. They're thumping them right now in the seventh or eighth inning. Um, w- were there any hard feelings after that twenty twenty one ALCS? I know you were part of the Astros system, but you grew up a Red Sox fan. Yeah. So um, no, there was no hard feelings because <laughs> I mean I do like the Red Sox, but at the same time I don't really have like any allegiance to like the area or um, like anyone on the team or anything. It was kind of just like. Grew up in New Mexico, there's no pro teams. So kind of choose all my teams at random. Um, so yeah, my Red Sox affiliation like wasn't really uh it was very yeah, it was, it was when I got drafted by Astros, I was like, all right, like I'm I'm an Astro. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it was just really like, as soon as like I got drafted, I was like, all right, like none of that Red Sox business mm-hmm. no more. So we, we kind of did some digging before the show just to to get some questions for you. And uh, I was, I was told about a, a pet turtle you had and a story about how it, how it escaped. So can you, can you kind of tell us what that was about? All right. So uh, yeah. So I had a pet tortoise named Otis and um, so it was back when I was like obsessed with playing and I'll be the show still. So I'm not sure what I was doing on the game, but I had to like, you know, I put it outside, like like right by the, you know, the back door. So we could go to the bathroom, you know what I'm saying? Like roam around a little bit, get some sun. So I'm up there for maybe like two minutes. I think I go up there, like I check something, I come back down. Otis is gone. So I'm like, okay, he couldn't have gone far. Like it's a tourist. Like it's moving so slow, like it can't, it couldn't have gone far. So I checked the whole entire backyard, like the sides of the uh, of the house, nothing. Like I get my brother come out there, my dad come out there, help me. We cannot find him. Like he just, I don't know where he could have gone. I'm not sure if he just like hid very well. I'm not sure if like somebody or like something like scooped him up. But either way, I was just like, dang, like I can't believe that just happened. Like how. How does like how is the little tourist like outrun me like that? Like I was already gone for like two seconds, but um yeah, I'm still kind of salty about that. Not even gonna lie, I, was, I can't believe that happened. So that that was the end of Otis, huh? N- never replaced him. Uh, no. So actually, um, I did replace him. <laughs> so uh, I got the same the same uh tortoise, but it was a female this time. So then I named her Flotus. And then um, so I had Flotus for a little bit and then um, kind of just like couldn't really like take care of her. I was like really busy with like school and stuff. Uh, so then we had to just like give her away after a little bit. I was like having a tortoise was cool. It was kind of just like, you know, I wrote well, one on one again because I was like, can't believe I have my first one. Like I wanted redemption. <laughs> but then once I had the second one, I was like, ah, it's really ain't for me. Like, I'm not really enjoying it as much. I don't have, like, that much time for it. Like, I kind of just, like, either got to get a dog or something else. But I was like, yeah, this this is not this is not working. Once you're, like, at maybe out of the minor leagues, in the major leagues, you know, 
down the road? I mean, more consistent place you might be living. You thinking about getting another tortoise? Uh, I don't know. Cause you have to get like, so the conditions have to be right. Obviously. So like, um, obviously they're like cold blooded. So you have to get like my, so mine, obviously my parents were paying for it. It was probably in a, it was probably like in a, I would, it's not necessarily like a cage. Cause like you have to put like, like mulch or like pellets down there. And then you have to like make it so they can kind of like walk around. But also, like, they have this thing to where, like, it has shade on it. And then there's, like, this sun lamp that they can get into, like, heat up. So it's kind of, like, a lot of parts to it. And then on top of that, like, they're kind of boring. Like, they don't really do anything. <laughs> um, I remember, like, the, the best thing I would do was just, like, uh, I would, like, set up my phone and put the camera on top. And then I put, like, you know, some vegetables in there, like, some stuff they like. Uh, and then I'll just like make time lapse videos, and then like <laughs> so I watch it like call out, like look, and like you know eat it, and then take all these little bites, and then it would go back like under, and then like I think the video was so cool, but then um, yeah, that was that was really it as far as like fun with it wise. Um, I remember sometimes I would like I would like lay on my bed and I would like put it like on my stomach and it would like crawl up, but um, one time it, it like it pooped on me, so then I was like, damn, that can't happen anymore. <laughs> so honestly yeah i probably i'm probably done with the tortoises like it was cool for a little bit but nah that it's just it's just too much maybe maybe like my my kids someday will want a tortoise i can help them with that but i don't want to be the main person in charge mm -hmm. uh, on another note now um what's your current walk-up song and you know how often are you like changing it i know a lot of guys are very superstitious maybe keep one what's your what's your mo with that yeah, so right uh in Sugarland it was um it was Shooters Inside My Crib by Quavo. Um and it was weird. It was like I so I had in double in double A it was uh Politics as Usual by Jay Z. And then when I went to Sugarland, I kept the same walk up song. But I feel like it's just not the same vibe. Like I think I did it one time in uh in summer ball. I think I tried to have the same walk up uh, I had in school ball and summer ball, and like I was not hitting it. And as soon as I changed, I started doing good. So um, I kind of had the same thing when I was in Sugarland. Like um, I was, I feel like I wasn't really doing that well. Like at first, and kind of just like it, it just felt like it didn't. I don't know. I feel like you gotta change it when you're not doing when, when you're not doing well. Like if you if you're really vibe with walk up song, then okay, keep it. But um, or unless it's like some kind of like crowd pleaser, but like for me, like I want something that gets me in the zone and gets results. Like if it ain't getting results, like I'm I'm trying to change it. Like, I'm trying to get a whole different like whole different uh whole different vibe. Walk up to a plate because obviously like if like if you're not if you're not getting you know like results with the walk up song, like it's gotta be just the song. I mean, I feel like it's it's probably superstitious for sure. But like if if I'm not really hitting the walk up song, I'm like yo. It's because the vibes aren't right. Like they're not, they're not good enough. So we got to change them. For sure. So what's, if, if it wasn't that one though, like if you were, if you were still playing right now and, and, you know, we're struggling and you're like, man, I got to switch it up. What What's, what's next for you? What do you think? Oh, that's tough because it's like a whole process changing the walk up song. Like you got, you kind of got to get, get in the right mind space and then just shuffle the iPhone and then kind of see what kind of like, and then replay them and replay them. But honestly, hold on real quick. Let me look, let me look. If I had to choose something right now, it would definitely be a Lil Uzi Vert song from his newest album. I'd probably choose, I'd probably choose Crush Em by uh, Lil Uzi Vert. I'd probably choose Crush Em. All right, I'm gonna, check it. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, like it's, like the, maybe you won't like the whole song, but like, you gotta think like, you're walking up to the plate. You know what I'm saying? So, like, right. you're walking up to the plate. You're like, oh, okay. Like, you're bobbing your head a little bit. Because I feel like when you're serious, too tense, like, you're not going to hit. But if you're mm -hmm. up there bobbing your head, like, you're chilling, like, you're feeling good, you're relaxed, that produces the best results for sure. So, we, we kind of like to ask this, but uh, so far in your your career in the Astros organization, who's the toughest pitcher that you faced either in uh, – um, you know, instructs or in spring training or something, but somebody in the Astro system that you're like, yeah, I, I definitely don't want to face that guy again. Ooh, it's kind of tough because I've only really had one spring training. Um, just because I wouldn't count this past one 
as a as a spring training really because I didn't get that many live at bats, especially against our own guys. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. That's that one's tough. Or it could be someone from afar where you're like, you know, you're you're sitting in the dugout or an outfield watching a pitch and you're like, yeah, man, I, I don't want to face that guy. Okay. Uh I don't want to like disrespect anyone I face, I guess, because I would really say like no one. Not because they're like not good or obviously, but like but it's just like, I don't know, someone's just like I don't want to give it to them kind of thing. But yeah. Uh uh I don't know. I'd probably have to say, because I've seen him pitch once in the Bailey game, spring training. I'd probably say Hunter Brown, just because, I don't know, when he was pitching, I was like, dang, like he looks super serious and aggressive. And I was like, <laughs> why does he look so mad when he's up there? So that was probably the biggest thing, like his demeanor on the mound. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably say Hunter Brown. Um, dang, that's crazy. I'm not thinking of no one that like I've actually faced. Um, but yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say Hunter Brown. I'd be like, dang, like, this is an intense at bat. Like he's locked in. Like I gotta make sure I'm locked in to get some. That's the mindset. Like I would have. Yeah, he was a reoccurring one last year, especially when he was still in the minor leagues. A lot of the teammates then were saying he's like, "Yeah, we don't want to face that guy. We're glad he's on our team." Uh, moving on to the next one. Um, I mean, you've been pretty funny. You've had a good time on here, but who would you say has been your funniest teammate in the Astros system? Funniest? Yeah. Uh, Michael Sandel for sure. Michael Sandel and Marty Costas, those two, those two cracked me up so much. Like I could talk, I could talk to them like for days and days and just like be laughing. Like, uh, yeah, they're both of them are just, just way too funny. So, you know, Kenny just did an article, uh, on, on Marty Costas and, you know, talking about his, his rap career, but you got, you playing any of that on, on your iPhone, you know, you jamming any of his music. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so Marty, he for some reason he doesn't rap and like he'll so like it's weird because like he'll produce the songs and he'll he'll have like um kind of like his guys that like he's because he's trying to like start like a record label so he's like build himself mm-hmm. up like he only produces the songs so then he'll have like other people rap on the songs and um yeah his music is pretty good uh, I like it um it's definitely like up my alley um but I feel like like too you kind of have to like see where he's see where Marty's coming from um. It's because we kind of share a connection too, because he's from Baltimore and my mom's side of the family is from Baltimore. So actually, I was visiting my grandma this often. He was like 45 minutes away. I went to go see him. Um, so I was cool. We actually did this little like kids' camp and stuff together. So that was cool. Um, but no, I'm definitely bumping Marty's album. But um, Marty, yeah, if you see this, like you got to start rapping, bro. Because he'll, he'll like freestyle to me like in the locker room. Like, he'll, I don't know, some song will be playing, whatever, and he'll start coming up to him and just, like, start rapping. And I'm like, bro, like, why don't you take these talents and put them on your own beats, your own songs? Like, <laughs> you, I'm not saying, like, make a whole album of yourself, but, like, you know, so you could have a couple songs featuring yourself, but, no, nah, yeah, definitely Bob and Mari's album. All right, what so, about, so uh, Luke oh, Berryhill's oh, music? You said what? what Luke, I said, what about Luke Berryhill? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely bumping some Luke Berryhill. <laughs> uh da- dance on it was a good song that was a nice song uh he actually was my roommate in corpus at the end of the year last year and then he was my roommate um in um for the way trips in sugarland so um yeah it, me and bear hill definitely very close definitely bumping some some berry hill um i would say i'm not a big country guy but if there's if there's a guy that's gonna like get me to country it's gonna be berry hill for sure like I, you know what I'm saying? That's a dude I like respect very much. He's a really good person, really good dude. Um, so if he's making some music, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna support it. So then I was like, okay, like I'm kind I'm kind I was like, listen to all, I was like, I'm kind I'm kind of messing with this. I'm kind of messing with this. So, uh, yeah, um, definitely bumping some Barry Hill for sure. So another, another question I got kind of going back to the baseball stuff and talking about a, a pitcher you face that was extremely difficult, but if there was a, one tool in the system that you had to you had to take from another prospect, another Astros prospect, be a power, speed, you know, defense or something like that. What what tool would you be stealing from them? You know, think like think like uh, Space Jam type. You know, taking their powers. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. Two that pop into my head immediately. One 
Zach Daniels and his power. Um, he hits the ball, yeah, probably hardest. Probably, like, top, like, three or four hardest I've seen in my life. And the other three are, like, big leaguers. So, I'm like, okay. So, so one, I would say Daniels power. But at the same time, too, like, if I didn't have Daniels power, then I would either say, like, Kennedy Corona's speed or maybe, like, Logan Cerny's speed. Um, both of them are, like, they just fly. And it's, like, so effortless. So, um between the two of those, if I had to choose one, uh, if I had to choose one, probably, probably Zach Daniels power. Because you can't – I mean, I've been doing so much, like, training, weightlifting, like, stretching, whatever. Like, I'm never going to hit balls as hard as him. But I feel like maybe with the right, you know, training, maybe if I, like, cut some weight, whatever, I could get closer to Corona at certain speed. But – um I'm never any close to Daniel's power, so I would, I would probably say Daniel's power for sure. I got right, one more for you, okay. Quincy. Um, we talked a little about Marty. We talked a little about your pitching career. Marty picked up a win on the mound. I mean, Vicky Story needed an arm. I don't know if you were still in Sugarland at the time. I knew you were. You were. You were injured. Yeah, I was. You were there. I mean, yeah. if we put you on the mound, do you think you could have done a little bit better than Marty? Oh, I would have pitched. I would have pitched immaculate inning. That's that's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. I will. I will lollygag in my warm ups, like ah, lollygag, and then so it's kind of funny because uh, <laughs> when you're not playing in college, like you have so much time to just mess around. And my buddy, like my road dog from college, he's my roommate. Uh, we're kind of in a similar situation, so we were like we weren't, we weren't playing like you know what I'm saying like we were pretending you're watching the game. Nah, like. We were messing around. So we would have all these different like pitching motions. So we would have uh we would have this thing called like the change down and the change down reverse. So it's pretty much like you're here and you come set and the change down is uh you have this like really slow wind up, you're coming up, really slow wind up, and then you're quick to the plate, like you just surprise them. So all the change down, the change down was reverse was you here, you get the sign. And then you're quick, and then you just throw a lob ball. So that would be my second one. And then, uh, obviously, off of those two things, like, they're not going to touch those two pitches. And then I'll probably just, you know, flip them on nasty curveball for strike three. So immaculate inning for sure. Well, we need to, we need to get you in a game then with the, the pitching experience you have, you know, and, and seeing the the amount of position players pitching. We need to see you in a game. I know. That's what I've been saying. But, uh, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, even in Fayetteville, like, they would never let me pitch. Um we had other situations that never let me pitch. So I'm like, I keep telling them, like, I was a pitcher. Like, I literally was a pitcher. Like, I have a repertoire. Like, I can throw strikes. Like, I have good form from everything. Yeah. But um, honestly, though, like, with my, like, injury history pitching, I I, this, I probably shouldn't pitch, actually. <laughs> See, I've heard it's also because they want guys that are just going to go in there and lob the ball across the plate and not try to actually attack hitters. And I'm guessing with your history, you're going to want to go in there and attack hitters, try to strike guys out. Oh, and they don't oh, want that. Yeah. They just want guys to – Toss over the plate and let it get hit, you know? Oh, no, nah, yeah. I'm I'm going for the strikeouts for sure. Like, I want to say I'm going to go up there throwing as hard as I can, but I'm not going to lob it for sure. Like, I'm a – I'll probably mm, – I'll probably throw, like, 80% of my max, but I'm definitely throwing, like, a couple pitches. Fastball, change-up curveball. I'm mixing some stuff. So, it'll be, like, in between a position player and a pitcher pitching nice. for sure. And All I don't right, know if you, you, oh, go ahead, Yeah, one okay, more, sorry. one more quick one. Uh, you, I don't know if you played with Dari Carrasco in Asheville, but mm -hmm. he's a pitcher now. I mean, do you mm -hmm. follow that story at all? Like seeing him switch? Oh, position? oh yeah. So, um, I remember Instructs my first year. Um, I, cause I didn't play with him. Um, so I never, I didn't really know who he was. Um, I remember I, I was like cool with him. I would like say what's up to him, but I didn't really like. I wasn't familiar like with his game. So, um, like, I would watch him hit sometimes. I always thought he kind of had a good swing. Um, but I would see him throw. I remember I would see him throw one time uh, just back and forth with um, another guy. And um, it was, like, right before we had, like, some kind of, like, throwing competition or something like that. And I just remember him throwing, like, so hard. Like, it was – so it was him who I see had the best arm and then uh, Christian Gonzalez. So when I saw them two throwing – 
I was like, bro, how is this humanly possible? I remember like watching him throw. And I was really like, I was like, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I was like, throw this again. And then he'd throw this ball like with so much like spin and like ride. You could like hear like the whistling of like the seams, like and, like the pop of the glove. And I was like, bro, I was like, that's like borderline, like unnatural. That's crazy. That's insane how you're doing that. Cause he's not like a big dude, but mm-hmm. he has like really like a lot of range of motion. He's very like whippy with his body, like fast switch. So I kind of always in the back of my head was like, yo, like that dude f- could for sure pitch. So um, actually seeing him like transition to a pitcher, um, honestly, it doesn't really surprise me because he's always kind of had like a really good arm and really good like kind of like pitching form. Um, and then he's obviously competitor. Like he's an athlete, he's a competitor. So I knew he was going to like pick up on it quick. Um, I guess the only thing you really worry about is just like throwing strikes, I guess, as a, you know, coming back or as a pitching player transitioning but um yeah he would post his instagrams or he would post like some of his pitching highlights on instagram and um yeah i would just always comment i'll be like sucio like sucio poppy like just nasty so um no nah, I'm, I'm not surprised yeah he's having a lot of success too i think he's up to to 40 yeah 41 innings got a 1.980 ra 46 strikeouts so uh, it seems like he's taking the transition well for sure. I'm actually like really proud of him and happy for him because you know that's that's really cool. That's it's hard to do too. For sure. All right, Quincy. Well, uh man, really appreciate you coming on here and chatting with us and uh you know allowing us to to take up so much of your time. Uh good luck with the rehab. Good luck there, you know, as you uh, as you kind of transition into your off season. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Uh appreciate you. Um and it was it was Kenny, right? Yep. It was Kenny. Okay. Nice yeah. to meet you, Kenny. Uh thanks for you know having me on here. Um, yeah, it was a blast. Uh, sorry for uh, dodging off for a little bit. It's kind of just like <laughs> hard to, you know, juggle. Um, we get it one day off, one day off a week, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to juggle all that stuff. Um, uh, but no, thanks for having me on and you know, being patient and stuff with me. Um, for sure, you know, I gave y'all like a good, you know, good show, good podcast. But um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate, appreciate y'all and um, yeah, yeah, y'all have a good night. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.